Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of Rabbi Avi Havivi's weekly Sidur class. We're on the third bracha of the Shema, which we read through carefully last time, so now we're going to take the, the, the more of the bird's eye view. So we're going to try to understand the bracha as a whole, and then we're, um, and then we're going to try to put it together in the context of the three, a couple, two things. First of all, why it follows the third paragraph of the Shema, which we talked about a little bit last time, and the three brachot of the Shema as a whole. So this bracha, which is called in the rabbinic literature, again, the first bracha is called Birkat Yotzer. The second bracha is called uh, usually Birkat Ahava or Ahava Rabah. Third bracha is called um, Emet Viatziv. It starts with the word Emet, which the mean, universal minhag is to connect that to the end of the Shema, but it's not actually part of the passage in Bamidbar. It's actually the first word of this um, composition. So, Basically, to summarize, and you should feel free to look over it in English, it lasts a page and a half until the Baruch HaTashem Gal Yisrael. Um, it is true. It is established. It is a fact. Many ways of saying this is a wonderful fact um, that God is our God and our rock. He is firm. His throne and kingdom are firmly established forever. His words are reliable um, and truly, you are our Redeemer and our Redeemer. And we have Redeemer or Savior, several, several synonyms. Goel, Podeh, Matzil, all these have slight differences of nuance, so they can be translated in a variety of English, but they all mean protector and Savior. Savior, not in the, you know, if you believe in Jesus, you'll be saved, Right? but in the actual practical, physical saving sense, okay? So this is not, not, not God metaphorically a savior. God literally a savior. So God, you are protector and savior. By the way, redeemer is an old-fashioned English world word, which means that also it means when someone's been taken in captivity and you get them out of captivity one way or another, that's what to redeem means, okay? So again, it has the connotation of physical protection. I want to be very clear about that. So we're saying, God, we are your people. This is not individual. None of this is singular. It's plural. We are your people. You are established firmly. You're firmly. Your kingship is established firmly. You are our um, redeemer, saver, protector. The metaphor that's used is rock, sewer. And then as Radabotenu, right, you were our ancestors helper as Ra here help and again that is help in a very concrete sense it doesn't mean like oh you're having problems one day and you say oh lord help me okay it means you know you're in physical trouble and you say oh lord help me in a physical concrete way. so you were our ancestors helper you saved them what is our historical evidence of that you took them out of egypt and split the sea told in great detail in the paragraph of Esrata Botenu, 
in in detail that bothers some modern people when they read it around those Egyptians and our ancestors passed through and they sang to you. And then near the end of Israel of Otenu in the like, you know, maybe three lines or so before the Michamocha, four lines, we have a more general description of this. Ram Venisa, God, you are high and mighty. Right? Ram What does God do? Mashpil Geim. So because God is protector and redeemer, God, you, bring low the proud. Magbiyash Falim. Lift up the lowly. Motsiyasirim. Uh, release prisoners. Podeh Anavim. You redeem the humble. Ozer Dalim. You um, help the poor, the downtrodden. Right? So God, abstractly, generally, you do all these things. You're the one who's in control. Okay? You're the one who has the ultimate power. Right? And and you answer, respond to your people or, or the one who responds to God's people when they cry to him. And here's what they did. They sang, thank you. Sorry, before they sang thank you, they didn't sing thank you. They said, you are the most amazing deity. Mi chamocha ba'ilim Adonai. Which literally means, who is like you among the gods, O God? Okay? You are the mightiest one. They sang this song to you and they said, Hashem yimloch le'olam va'ed, God will reign forever and ever. And so, again, we have the future-looking end as we had in the first two brachot. In the first bracha, we said, Or chadash al tzion ta'ir, causing light to shine upon Zion. And in the second bracha, we said, Havienu l'shalom me'arba kanfoda aretz, bring us from the four corners of the earth. And in the third bracha, we stick in, Tzur Yisrael, again, rock of Israel, again, Kuma bezra Yisrael. So, arise, we need you when? Now. Right? So all of this stuff is historical, uh, but we're saying, okay, we need you to do now what you have always done for us, to be our protector and redeemer. Baruch Hashem, Gal Yisrael. So all three brachot end with this forward-looking uh, um, hope for um, redemption in the Mashiach Tzayt. So, and we said that what's the key word of this bracha? What word appears over and over again? Anyone remember from last week? Emet. Emet. Truth. In faith. Forsooth. Indeed. It's really true. Okay? So it's interesting. The key word could be like Podet or Matzil or Ozer, but it's not. It has all of those synonyms. But the word that appears most commonly is um is Emet. And and I said we're gonna we're gonna ask why, and today we're gonna try to get why. Okay. So um uh, Larry said to me last week afterwards, he thought that this was kind of a, uh, if I can quote you, I hope I'm mis- misquoting you, sort of a little bit of a hodgepodge, this bracha. I think it's literarily assembled of what clearly seem to be different pieces. Our editor thinks that also, right? Because most printed editors put these in separate paragraphs, which means it seemed to the printers to be separate pieces, but I think the theme does hang together, which is God has power 
in human history. God is the only one, or at least the mightiest one, who has power in human history. The evidence of this is you took us out of Egypt. And so we say, please protect us now and in the future. So I actually think the bracha hangs together pretty well. If you just said, what's the theme of this? The theme is God as acting in human history on our behalf. All right. Again, Franz Rosenzweig, the German theologian in the first part of the 20th century, who talked about three aspects of God's uh, presence in the world, which he called creation, revelation, and redemption. And apparently he cribbed that from some Hasidic master. I'm not sure who, but I've read that. He didn't invent that, those three. So that maps perfectly well onto these three brachot. First bracha is creation, right? God acts through nature. We find God's presence in nature, okay? Second bracha of Arabah, revelation. We find God's presence in relationship. And the specifics of the relationship is that God gave us guidance in the form of the Torah. Third bracha, we find God's presence in human history, if I may say so. Uh, the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends towards justice, which apparently Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. also cribbed from some 19th century preacher. If you, if you look it up in the Wikipedia, you can find that. Um, some Protestant, some other, some 19th century white Protestant minister. He took the line from him and he changed it slightly, um, which shows you, 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 you don't have to be original. You just need to know you know, what to deploy when to be remembered, right? So let's pause. And then I got some questions. Uh, What do you think of the theological proposition? Why is it here as opposed to somewhere else? Why is it the third bracha? Why is it after the Shema? Why is the theme word emet? So I think these are all the the bird's eye view questions of this bracha. It's pretty clear to me the bracha is about God, you are savior and protector. You have been that way through all generations. You are the only one who has the, or you are the one who has the most power to do that. The evidence of that is the exodus from Egypt and the splitting of the sea. And so God, we need you to enact this power of yours again. I'll pause. Larry, you want to jump in? Then Joanna. Well, as you said, I, I actually think that this is a, uh, a hodgepodge, a mishmash. It's, it's blended together. But I'll make just one other comment about Ezra Zavoteno. I think that there's a big tension in here between the particularist and the, and the universalist. And that and, and in one sense, this paragraph is saying, you're our God. You saved us. We're the ones that benefited. It's a, a very particular. On the other hand, there are some, some verses in there. That, that are much more general, and in particular the one that starts after Ramvani Sagadova Nora, which you can apply to the Yitzhak Mitzrayim, but taken outside the Yitzhak Mitzrayim, it's basically saying, you, you, you help the poor, you free the captive, you redeem the meek. I'll make one other comment about that particular set of phrases, which is, it also says you humble the proud, which is the only sort of negative. God is helping people, right? helping the people deserve it, but he also smotches those who don't, which has to do also with drowning of the, of the Egyptians. 
But I think that yeah. one can take that even further in general to suggest that that God favors a more equal society, whether we don't have the rulers and they rule. Okay. Um, I, uh, I I want to comment on your comment, and then I uh, saw Joanna and Mike and Alan. We'll go in that order. Um, I'm not sure I agree with you that there's a – I don't think I read it as a tension between the universal and particular. I think I read it as we are so blessed, although there's nothing in that paragraph that means the word blessed. The God of the universe is our rock who took us out of Egypt. And so, God, we need you to do that again. Okay, So he's the God of the universe who schmeiced the Egyptians and protected us. We need your protection. So although there are two ideas, I'm not sure I read it. I understand what you mean by, you know, the theological tension. God is uh, a God of the universe. God is God of us. I think I read it here as complementary. And we are so glad that the God of the universe took us out of Egypt. I kind of read it as, um, and I don't mean this in a, in a critical way, uh, self-centered as opposed to intention, intention with each other, right? The God of the universe cares about us. Okay, Joanna. I kind of am heading in a similar direction because what I was thinking about was, um, you know, before Shema and the focus on Yotzer or and the creation, when we talk about the exodus from Egypt, what we're talking about is um, instead of the universal creation, the creation of a people, if you will, the creation of Jewish peoplehood. And um, so to me, it's a little bit, not so much of attention, but perhaps a bit of a, a of a mirror almost in in talking mm-hmm. about in going from that universal to the particular, um, in talking about you know creation and rebirth. In this case, we're talking about you know the uh, the rebirth of a people as opposed to the birth of the world. Mm-hmm. Okay, good, great, thank you. Uh, I think I said Mike next. Hey, Mike next. Yes, I'd like to speak to the question that you asked as to why it appears in this place in the. And I think, I think it's because we're immediately going into the Amidah, where we're going to petition for some of these very things that we're saying God has done and has the power to do. Mm-hmm. So we're putting ourselves in a frame of mind, and we're also, in a sense, buttering God up, saying that we know you can do all these things. Please do them for us. Great. We and ask redemption and so forth in, in the Amidah. Good. Good. And from the front end, the Racha, as we mentioned last time, the Shema ends with, Right? The last paragraph ends, I am God who took you out of the land of Egypt. Right? So that would be a good hook at the beginning. So we have kind of a reason for the, both from, both for and aft. Right? We have, we have a reason why the bracha is here and how it connects. Good. Alan. Uh, Michael said, uh, brought out the exact same point that I was thinking about. Great Michael, mind, great, great minds, great minds think alike, thinking alike, and ours do Good. too. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, Marshall, did Marshall have a hand? Where'd he go? Marshall, you were here, and then you're gone. Meyer. No, Marshall's there, but his hand isn't up. Is he here? Yeah. Okay. Um, I just wanted to talk about the word truth. Um, I just pulled this up. Etymology. Yeah. Old English, uh-huh. English, T-R-E-W-E. Or T R E O W E, faithful, trustworthy, honest, steady, and adhering to promises, friends, etc. From Proto-Germanic T R E U W A Z, having or characterized by good faith. 
uh, and it goes back also 1,200, real, genuine, not counterfeit. But basically, it is related to faith. Okay, good. Thank you. Thoughts about this bracha? Marshall. Oh, there's Marshall. Yeah, I apologize for my later. Side of you, but there you are. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I don't know if I missed this when you started this morning, but if you take the word emet, aleph, mem, and tough, uh, the three, the beginning letter of the alphabet, the ending letter of the alphabet, the middle letter of the alphabet. So God is present at the beginning. God will be us in the middle, and God will be with us at the end. Great. We didn't say that. Thank you. Lovely. What do you think of this, Joanna? I wanted to ask if you would comment a little bit on the other version of this bracha in Mariv. Like, is it just that as you were talking about different pieces, another piece existed? Is there something particular um, that this works in Shacharit and that one's for Mariv? I don't know. We, we The other bracha, we have looked at the Mariv version. We will get, so I promise we'll do that. I think I want to, you know, kick the can down the road a week or two and just look at the Shacharit version. But then we'll come to it. I promise. Okay. Uh, thoughts about this? Um, I have a question. Does anyone find this hard to believe? Am I the only one in the Hollywood squares here on Zoom who finds this hard to believe? Do you believe God acts in history? Did God take the children of Israel out of Egypt and save them from the Red Sea? And if God is so powerful, where was God during the Shoah? Where is God during the pogroms? Where is God when awful things happen to good people? Am I the only skeptic in the room? Maybe I'm the only skeptic in the room. No, you're not. Okay. So I think this is a proposition that a lot of people have difficulty believing. Have you ever witnessed with your own eyes a miracle that happened when nature was overturned and someone who should have, and a people who should have died was saved. Oh, sorry. I'll add to my skepticism. Oh, and we're the only ones who get that treatment because I am daddy's favorite child, you know, not the Uyghurs or the Rohingya or anyone else just our little clan, we're the special ones, except when we don't, like during the Shoah, and then we have to come up with all sorts of theological reasons of why not. So um, I think the proposition that God acts in, that God intervenes, reaches into human history to act and change it, I think that that is one that is hard to believe sometimes, I guess I'll say it that way. I understand that it is a foundational tenet of Judaism, Yitziat Mitzrayim, the Exodus, which I am now questioning, okay? So I think it's hard to believe. I think that is why the keyword of the paragraph is emet, which means this is really true. That which you might have a hard time believing because I mean, let's look really, you know, God helping the humble. Yeah. I don't know. How about how about a couple of hundred years of African slaves in America before, you know, 1863 or whenever. Yeah. So was God help 
helping them in the year 1800 or 1750. They didn't deserve, you know, they, they were beaten and flayed alive and tormented and tortured and they didn't deserve, they weren't lowly enough for them to warrant God's attention. So I think part of why um, the key word is emet is because I think this theological proposition sometimes stretches human credulity, if I'm using the word correctly. Am I the only one who thinks that? If anyone thinks that at least some of the time, I promise not to out you. I promise not to print your name in the synagogue bulletin. If someone, if someone is skeptical about that at least some of the time, or at least with some part of your brain, please raise your hand now. Okay, not everyone. That's okay. A lot of people. Okay, because there's also a part of our brain that looks at human history and how stuff ends and says like, I don't know, the the arc of the moral universe, uh, it must be really, really long. I don't know. I can't see that arc bending sometimes. So I think that's why the key word is emet. I also wonder if that's why this is the third bracha of the Shema. I think the perhaps the editors have gone up in order of ascending, straining human credulity, okay? Proposition one, we find God's presence in nature. All right, a lot of us can buy into that. Whether you think nature is, you know, God created the world in six days, or you think God acts through evolution and, you know, protons, neutrons, electrons, and gravity, and the strong force and the weak force. So no matter how you understand nature, um, I think it's an easier proposition to say, and of the three, creation, relation, creation, revelation, and redemption, I think it's the easiest to buy into intuitively. Because who of us have not seen, as we talked at length, some amazing natural sight, you know, sunrise at the top of a mountain, a baby being born, et cetera, et cetera, and said, my God, this is so sacred. I see God's presence in nature in this holy, sacred moment. So I think God as creator, God is present in nature, is the easiest of the three ideas for most people to buy into. Number two, God actually cares about us, right? That's a little bit harder to accept, that the God who created the universe cares about humans, right? loves humans, loved us enough to give us guidance so that we don't wander around blindly and foolishly, right? Left to our own Yetzer, Hashem gave us the Torah to give us guidance. All right. I think for a lot of people, that might be a little harder to buy into than the God who's present in the sunrise but, or a baby being born. But, you know, as we say in Yiddish, Mela, okay, and then the hardest theological proposition, I think, that God actually intervenes in human history and can choose to change the course of history or not when God chooses to, okay? And why is it harder for us to accept that? I think because, A, we're around in the world and it doesn't always seem that it works that way. I don't, I don't see the, the haughty being humbled and the humble being raised up all the time. Because the arc, the moral arc of the universe is so long that sometimes it's impossible for us to see it bending. 
It's so long that we just can't see that trajectory. Okay. And this is then a matter of faith. Faith. Yeah. If you were if you were born during the Yitziat Mitzrayim generation, then it's not a matter of faith. I guess you saw it with your own eyes. From then on, it's a matter of faith. And again, I think here we have the two meanings of emet. One means it's really true. And then the other, which Meyer brought out of the dictionary, which is, and this is an article of faith. This is a part of faith. I see the sunrise every single morning. So if I interpret it in a particular way, I see evidence of God every single morning. Okay? It's harder to see evidence of God acting in history. Right? I can do mitzvot every day. I say, okay, this gives us a meaningful life. So I can see evidence of God as revelator. Although, of course, then we'll argue about, you know, did God write the Torah? Did human beings create the Torah? Did God create the Torah through the instrument of human beings, et cetera, et cetera? All of that stuff. Okay? Um, but in paragraph number three, I, so I actually think that these three brachot are arranged in ascending order of how challenging it is to sell it to people. And that is in that order intentionally. So, Stevie. Yeah, I think there's also a sense of what, what are you praying for that sort of in ascending order, it's like right, God is creator is like, Okay, I can imagine praying to the creator because, like, you know, creation's a nice thing. So when you talk about God acting in history, it's like really asking for something. And in some ways, that's also more theologically difficult, but it's also in some ways more, right, like, you're, you're, you're sort of ramping up towards, yeah. right, By the way, and I'll, on that I, axis I, as well. Yes, and I'll add to that. New light to shine upon Zion. It's kind of a nice abstract way of saying things, right? Gather us from the four corners of the earth. Okay, every time I'm visiting Israel and I daven and I think about this, I think, yes, 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 it's really coming true. It's beautiful. Um, But actually, redeem us as you have promised. That, I think, is the, you know, can be seen as the most challenging one, right? Um, Okay. Pause. I don't want to talk too much. I talked too much already. Ilana, and we're going to try to wrap up okay. in a couple of minutes. Um, I, I hope I can express this um, succinctly. Um, I wonder if the, the real thrust of the, um, the brocha isn't asserting that God did this and always did this so much yep. as like it's underlying that we're, we're reminding God, please do this. Please do this in the future. Please continue to do this, right? Um, And um, uh, one thing that I'll throw in there, and I'm sure I'll get contradicted. I just want to point out that please continue to do this is really only at the end where it's really explicit. Okay. We did a whole long thing of saying, you did it, you did it, you can, you do, you're powerful, you, you, you. At the end we say, and so we need you to do this, please. Okay, but then it's explicit at the end. But why yes. do we why do we make all those assertions? In a way, it's to support the the plea at the end. And I guess um, one thing I want to throw in, although I'm not knowledgeable enough to back this up, is um, the sometimes ambiguity of tenses in Hebrew, um, yes. right? Um, and and the paucity of of different 
um, tenses you did, you might have done, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. A lot of the time, it seems to me that that's not so obvious and explicit. And and I just wanted to throw in to agree with Joanna, um, maybe the the most clear assertion we can make of God's intervention and the one that keeps getting repeated and repeated all through the liturgy is the, the redemption from Mitzrayim, right? Okay, yeah. you did this one thing. Yeah. You know, so let's remind you again and again and again, not just because we're Correct. grateful, but Correct. because we want you to come back and, and show your stuff, right? And just one other right. thing about Correct. the second bracha. Um, I don't think it's so simple as God loves us full stop. There's so much reciprocity that's called for, like, God loves us, and then it's always paired with God loves us so much that he gives us this stuff to do, to study, yeah. the yeah. right? I mean, it's never just, I love you. It's, I, I love mind, you. Sorry, Ilana, yeah. I, I didn't mean to imply, yeah, I know we got to stop. I didn't imply the lack of reciprocity when I yeah. said that. What I was emphasizing was the word us. Yeah, okay. As opposed to other people. Okay. Anyway. Um, but, um, yeah, so yes, yeah. I agree. There's a lot of reciprocity, but I was focusing on the us, on the right. self-centeredness of it. Right. We get the goodies. Yeah. Alan. Yeah. Uh, Alan, and then we uh, got a Tying in, let me un- unmute. Yeah. Um, tying in what was just said, that the emphasis on that last word is Ga'al Yisrael. Not uh-huh. go El Yisrael. Alan, it, hold on to that till next week. Alan, hold on to yes. that till next week. We're going to come to it next week. Okay, I'm going to call time. So next okay. week, I think, so I want everyone to think about this and think about this idea. I think this is, you know, the Sidur is sometimes theologically challenging. Um, so um, we'll talk next week about Gal Yisrael as opposed to go El Yisrael. And Joanna, I think next week we'll look at the Mariv blessing. How about that? You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.